passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into the Otsin Audibles podcast. And we are one day away from Oregon at Washington State. We're going to break it all down here on the podcast. But first, I want to remind Duck fans out there today that you could subscribe to DuckTerritory.com for as low as $1 for your first month, $9.95 there after that. Or subscribe with the annual membership, save over $36 by paying $75.18 up front for a one-time payment for the rest of the year, or for a whole year, I should say, uh, and, and save a huge chunk of money compared to that month-to-month rate. Both come with inside scoop, both come with expert analysis and opinion. You get to read all the content across the entire 24-7 sports network. And on top of all of that, you get a $99 value added onto your subscription for free with CBS All Access. Uh, The Masters is currently going on. CBS All Access has commercial-free streaming abilities for you to watch the Masters on your phone, on your TV, on your device, what have you. On-demand shows, on-demand movies, live TV, live live sports, it all comes on CBS All Access. You get that free as an additional bonus for your membership at DuckTerritory.com. I'm Matt Frame. Eric Scopel is on the show with me as always on this Friday, Eric. And hey, we've made it through another week. It feels like, fingers crossed, knock on wood, <laughs> every little trick you can do. Oregon is going to play another game uh, of football this week uh, at Washington State. I'm excited to get up to Pullman and, and, and see what the road version of Oregon football looks like. Yeah, Matt's through the short straw, and he's making the drive to Pullman, which is uh, maybe a little treacherous <laughs> this time of year. Looks like the game might be played in not the most favorable weather conditions. I know Nick Rolovich has been tweeting out like a bunch of photos of <laughs> or videos, I should say, of uh, of the snow up there in Pullman. So that'll be interesting to see how that impacts things. We won't jump into that too much right now, but I would actually kind of think that would favor Oregon considering their style of offense. But yes. Uh, it's going to be fun. And, and I should say it's nice so far. And again, knock on all the wood you have around you in your place, uh, cross your fingers, all of them, if you can, maybe your toes too, uh, that at least Oregon hasn't, and nor Washington State have been mentioned with COVID cases this week. I know Washington State had one case reportedly earlier this week, but seeing the news now kind of break with the possibility of Arizona State and Cal not being played. Um, and you never know what the next couple of days will hold. Uh, but yeah, again, <laughs> Let's just hope everything plays out and Matt doesn't make a seven-hour drive to Pullman for nothing. Please do not give me those vibes. I do not <laughs> want any of those football vibes. Good vibes uh, only, Matt. Good vibes yeah, only. Good vibes only. Uh, both programs coming into this one 1-0. Uh, the Ducks were at home last weekend in Austin Stadium. They played a Stanford Cardinal team uh, and they beat them 35-14, to whereas the Washington State Cougars 
they went down to Corvallis this past weekend, and they delivered a pretty impressive win uh, against Oregon State. And all of a sudden, the the final score has, has escaped me here for a second, but I think it was like 40, 49 to 42, I believe the score was in that one. Um, very impressive performance uh, by Washington State in their first outing of the Nick Rolovich era. Um, 38-28. 38-28. Okay, sorry. My, my opinion, my, my fault there. Um, but nonetheless, undefeated versus undefeated week two of the college football season. Game will kick off 4.10 p.m. from Pullman. Game's broadcast on Fox. We've got Tim Brando, Spencer Tillman on the call. Eric, there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on this one because you look across the college football landscape and we've seen a lot of games, a lot of games in this week uh, get canceled, primarily back east in the SEC. Knock on wood again, we're recording this Thursday night, but knock on wood, uh, there haven't been any games in the Pac-12 that, that have been canceled, but a lot of football across the country has been canceled. And you look at the four three, five o'clock window, and you've got Nevada versus New Mexico. That's not going to draw really any eyeballs. Arkansas at number six, Florida on ESPN at four o'clock. That'll be competing directly with the Ducks. Uh, I I think that's going to draw some eyes, uh, but nonetheless, I think Oregon at Washington State's probably a a sexier matchup. Uh, SMU kicks off at Tulsa at four o'clock on ESPN two. I don't don't think a lot of people are going to be tuning in to watch uh, that over Oregon. And then the big one uh, on ABC at 430 is number 13, Wisconsin at Michigan. But that game has lost a lot of, of its luster because yeah. of Michigan losing the last two weeks. Um, obviously, there's going to be some intrigue in Wisconsin because they haven't played since that impressive week one game for them. But this is an opportunity where there's going to be a lot of people Wondering about how good the Pac-12 is. Wondering about how good Oregon is. And there really isn't any marquee game up against them. You know, there's some other decent games. But I think this is going to be a really good test for Oregon on the field. And it's also going to be a really good test from an eyeball perspective, of from a national perspective, of how good Oregon could be and how they could be perceived nationally. I'm with you, Matt. I think you look at this game and I know – when the schedule came out, I know we kind of looked at it and I don't want to say we overlooked it, but there were certainly games on it that were quote unquote sexier. And I still think that's probably the case. And again, we'll see if Cal can even play any football games this year based upon they're, they're kind of off to a, a, not the greatest start here, but that game certainly in the Washington game stand out as, as bigger, you know, potentially bigger games. But this is, a, this is an eyeball test, I think, for Oregon here. They're going to have a lot of people watching, like you said, with some of those cancellations, um, national audience, this is an opportunity to really kind of, and again, you know, Mark Cristobal and the Ducks would never say, I think even Johnny Johnson or Tyler Shuck were asked it earlier this week, if the importance of kind of, of that eyeball test of kind of being decisive in these wins to maybe get, you know, an eye on the college football playoff, but they won't say that, but I'll say it. Like, I, I think this is big for them. You know, I think they go out and they go to Pullman, which is not always an easy place to play, obviously different circumstances this time around with no fans. Um, but if they go out there and they can just deliver another decisive win, and I know Oregon fans are used to decisive wins being like fifty-nine to seven, you know, like from right. the you know the, the older era, like but like right now, like decisive win is probably three touchdowns. You know, mm-hmm. let's say they go out. I almost and, think like 17, 14 points. Yeah, well, maybe that's decisive enough. But like they go out and they dominate this game, and, and with the way they the style of play, and I think it, they're certainly capable of doing that. We'll get into predictions at the end of the show. Um, 
like I think that could be enough to to really kind of capture the audience and go, okay, well, we haven't seen a whole lot of Oregon. We know Washington State is at least kind of a sneaky team. It's not at, at Autzen Stadium. Again, the home thing, I don't know how everybody perceives that, you know, given that parts of the country do have fans in the stadium. We saw that with Notre Dame when, like, I don't know, like basically, what was that, a couple thousand people rushed the field at the end of the yeah, game. Not there. good. Not great, Bob. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, but I, I look at this and think, if Oregon can go out and, and, and bring a decisive victory in Pullman, a team, again, you look at the history, recently, like they won last year, barely by the skin of their teeth on a last second field goal. They lost the four, four games before that. I know it's a different head coach, new system, but if they can go out and do that, I think that's going to be really significant. I think there's still a lot of question marks for Oregon nationally. And I know they turned in an impressive game against Stanford. That was on ABC. You had the A team basically with Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Fowler calling it, but this is another opportunity to do that. Beating Stanford one week is one thing. I think beating Washington state the next week, if they can do so in a similar manner, I think it really sort of solidified that perspective. And then you look up and you say, okay, they got UCLA the week after that. And they got Oregon state after that. Those are two teams they should be able to beat pretty handily. If they can win their first four games pretty decisively, that's going to really set things up for that back end of the schedule there against Cal and Washington. And then whoever it is they play, I guess, if we're assuming they're winning those games against Cal and Washington, whoever they play in the PAC 12 conference championship game. So I think this is a big week for obviously keeping the momentum going, but I also think there's, and we'll talk about this in a second here, I'm sure. But just for kind of like shoring up a couple of question marks right now, because after the first game, I know there's still a lot of areas that we look at and go like, okay, we think they're going to be good here, but they haven't totally gone out and proven it yet. Yeah. And and this is going to be one of those games in which, look, I'm not worried more so about how many points Oregon scores in this one, because like you teased at the top, this could be a game in which uh, there's snow. it's going to be freezing cold. You know, it's not going to surprise me when you factor in wind chill, you factor in uh, some, some, maybe some, some cool breeze that runs through the air, uh, a night game when once the sun goes down in Pullman, it's not going to surprise me one bit, Eric, if this game is in the twenties from a a Fahrenheit perspective or potentially even like in the teens, like that's not going to surprise me one bit. You know, the weather, it's been snowing all week. Um, it's supposed to be dry. You know, there's not supposed to be any snow falling Saturday night in Pullman. But look, things change. We know how unpredictable the weather can be. And so if it gets cold and it starts raining, it starts snowing, uh, it, it gets low temps. Like, it's not going to surprise me one bit if this game all of a sudden turns into ball control. What team can hold on to the ball, suck the air out of, of the clock, uh, and really just dominate time of possession and grind out drives and, and, and score? Um, you know, it, it's going to be one of those deals where it could be a case of 21 7 or, you know, 24 to 13 type of a performance just because of what the weather conditions bring to, to this football game. And, and I'm with you. So they're going to need to look good. They're going to need to play mistake free football. And it's going to be an opportunity in which, they could really just flip the script and make a big, strong impression with a lot of eyeballs uh, on this football game. Um, Injury-wise, uh, get a get a sense. We've got some clarity on a few positions, but at the same time, we get a sense of still kind of up in the air at a couple other spots for Oregon. Yeah. Uh, if you've been following our coverage at DuckTartar.com, you're probably familiar with this. If not, we'll just run it through real quick. Um, Oregon was without every single scholarship tight end besides – P.J. Johnson, last Saturday, what Mario Cristobal has said on Monday this week and reaffirmed it on Wednesday is that's probably where they're going to be again in Pullman. 
Um, he said the tight end situation for this game will be the same as the last game. That was his quote on Wednesday. We also know Popo Amave, defensive lineman, Cristobal said he will not be available. Those are pretty significant players to be without. And I think you could have said, okay, you remove Hunter Catmore and Cam McCormick. Okay, that's they've got enough bodies to do it. Or you could take Spencer Webb and Patrick Herbert and remove them from the equation. That's okay. But to remove all four of them, it really cuts into the depth. And Cooper Schultz is a walk-on, um, I believe from Jesuit High School, true freshman. He's going to be the second tight end this week behind DJ Johnson. And again, DJ Johnson, I, we've talked about it. We've mentioned his name almost probably more than anyone besides Tyler Shuck this week on podcasts. He was not even on the two deep coming into yeah. this last week. So like it, it's, a, it's a really kind of a makeshift group here at tight end. And for a game, which you're talking about, like it might be played in the trenches and one of the trenches. And I know obviously tight ends aren't offensive linemen, but they are kind of an extension of that. You'd like to have all hands on deck there and, you kind of wonder, can Oregon really even play a run out of two tight end set very effectively if it's just DJ Johnson, and I don't want to diminish Cooper Schultz, but just you know a, a true freshman walk-on. I mean, that kind of impacts things a little bit for you. So those are kind of the, the significant updates we've got in terms of what Mario Cristobal has said. And I think um, the defensive line element with Popo, obviously he's better than the players behind him on the depth chart, right? And we, he showed last year, I know Matt made this comment a couple of times. Like, I, it wasn't crazy to suggest that Popo Amave outperformed Jordan Scott the last two to three games of last season. He was really on a tear late in the year. They want him back, but I think they've got depth there to be okay. But the, the four tight ends, gosh, that is potentially cause for concern. Knowing the way things go, uh, can go in a game, you just have to hope that both those guys, and again, this is where the point where maybe you should be knocking on all that wood and crossing all those fingers and toes again, they really can't sustain an injury there at all. And if they do, I, I don't even know what the solution is. You might be, I mean, we haven't, we don't know this, but I wonder if they've been cross-training, you know, some young defensive linemen, something along those lines to try to figure out a way to do this. Like could a Isaac Townsend or a Trevin Maai, who I believe played tight end in high school, who are outside linebackers, could one of those guys come over and help out? I mean, this is totally speculative, but that's kind of the dire nature of where they are from an injury perspective. Other than that, Oregon seemed to get out of the opening game with Stanford really without an injury. I can't remember a single injury timeout for an Oregon player. There are a couple for Stanford, so that part's good, but certainly some, some things to keep an eye on on Saturday from a tight end perspective. You mentioned DJ Johnson. I, I had published... Uh, Thursday, a list of 10 guys that are kind of important for this team, for this win for Oregon, uh, if they want to be able to get it. And he was one of the guys I listed. Um, you know, I, I, I also included, you, you talked about the importance of run game. I included two offensive linemen. I, I, I named 10 guys, five offense, five defense, and two, I'll, I'll say three out of the five were guys at the line of scrimmage for Oregon. Um, Steven Jones at tackle, Alex Forsyth at center, uh, and then DJ Johnson at at the tight end position, um, all and I referenced in all three of them, you know, the importance of the ground game and the importance of dominating the line of scrimmage against a tough Washington State team. That look for the last five years, they've won. Oregon won this game in walk off fashion in Austin Stadium last year when Camden Lewis made a game winning field goal as clock hit zero. So it, it, I mean, they're a, a shank of a field goal away from being 0-5 against Washington State in the last five years. And I don't think there's really any reason you look at this and say, this is a team Oregon's going to blow out. I have zero confidence that – or I have zero doubt that they're going to win this – you know, lose this game. And 
it's quite the opposite. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, Eric, if, if they lose. And um, I don't think they will. Uh, you know, Spoiler alert, I'm going to pick them to win. But I, watching Washington State play at Oregon State, and yes, it is the Beavers. They aren't very good. They don't have a ton of depth. But seeing as how Washington State played in that game, how crisp and clean they looked with a new head coach and the offseason that they had, knowing Oregon's struggles against this team in the past, knowing it's a night game, knowing it's a road game, this is this is a must win. I mean, all of them are must wins, but this yeah. really is uh, one of those big boy games. No doubt about it, Matt. And I think, again, this is going to be kind of a gut check game for Oregon. One thing I didn't mention a second ago with injuries that I should have noted is that Verone McKinley is going to be out of the first half because of the ejection. Right. Um, that impacts things, I think, pretty greatly. He's you know, one of the leaders and quarterbacks of the defense of that secondary. Um, it'll be Jordan Happel or Bennett Williams replacing him there. I just thought of that. That's something at least to note. They'll be without him for the first half after that targeting call, which I think everybody has kind of been like, not everybody. We talked to a couple of coaches about this, about just kind of unfortunate circumstances. He's trying to make a play, trying to stop a touchdown, helmet-to-helmet contact. I think the right call was made, but you're without him. So um but you're to your point matt like yeah this is going to be a competitive game and oregon and washington state have had a kind of a bizarre turn of events i mean i wrote about this earlier in the week oregon won from 2000 to 2014 they won 12 out of 15 games and they were yeah. dominant in most of those games they weren't very close and they had a couple they lost but for the most part these were three to four to five touchdown games and then suddenly washington state under mike leach really came on and I have a good story up on the site. I say it's good. I guess I'll let you be the judge of that those listening. Um, just about the differences between the air raid under Mike Leach and the run and shoot under new Washington State coach Nick Rolovich. And these are not identical offenses. In fact, I think they're pretty different. You know, I think, and I know that's something that I think we probably overlooked. I know I overlooked coming into the season of just like they're gonna, oh, this is this is just gonna be Washington State throwing the ball 60 times again. And part of that was that Hawaii was fifth last year in the country throwing the football. They were, you know, about 100 yards behind Washington State, who was first nationally, but, like, they were one of the more prolific passing offenses. Well, you go and you look at the splits and what, that, you know, what they've done under Nick Rolovich in the past, this is going to be a different animal. They're going to run the football. You know, it's, it, I guess it should have been obvious. I shouldn't have overlooked it because it is run and shoot. But, you know, it's kind of in the name there. It's pretty indicative of what they're doing, at least. But last week against Oregon State, they ran it. 30 times they passed at 33 they actually gained more yards on the ground than they did through the air that kind of tells you um something about kind of the explosiveness of the run game compared to how explosive the pass game was um if this game does turn into and we mentioned it a ground and pound game we just had zach armstrong from kook fan on yesterday's show like the strength of washington state's team they think offensively is that offensive line and this is not an offense that that is going to or wants to throw the ball 60 times a game anymore, you're going to see them run the ball and try to establish it. Now, we don't know if Max Borgi is going to be in the game. We do know Dion McIntosh, his replacement looked great last week against Oregon State. They get like 150 yards and a touchdown. Um, they used Travell Harris on a game-winning run, which was looked like it was just like a he lined up as a running back, and he, he housed it for about 40 yards with the game and was still in balance. But this is going to be a different Washington State attack, and I think Oregon fans need to know that going in here. Again, I've got a story on the site kind of speaking to it in, in a little bit more specific terms, but you don't expect this to be something where Washington State is at a disadvantage because it's snowing and it's cold and they want to throw the ball 60 times a game. They're going to be pretty balanced. Like this is probably a 55-45 pass-to-run split 
in, you know, in their most favorable terms. And if, if they get behind, maybe it's a little bit more lopsided, but this is an offense that does want to run the football and Oregon, the players at least seem to be ready for that. And I think it's going to be a, just a different challenge than what we're used to seeing um, over the last couple of years. Should also note um, against Oregon state, the Beavers were without Tyrese Ross and Chad Davis Jr., both uh, both strong safeties on the two-deep. Um, Aiden Ector, a true freshman walk-on. Now, granted, he was a four-star recruit that signed with Stanford, had some off-field stuff. Stanford rescinded his scholarship, and um, as Zach said, that Rolovich kind of approached him right before fall camp started um, a couple weeks ago, four weeks ago now, that five weeks ago, that, hey, we have a spot on the team you want to walk on we'll let you walk on he's so he's since walked on but he's a four-star walk-on which is pretty unique um nonetheless though true freshman playing there at the safety spot um zach also said that you know d tackle uh hobbs did not play in that game and christian Mayha did uh hobbs is the projected starter uh there so there are some injuries we also got some clarity kind of on the, the 32 number that was thrown out by Nick Rolovich last week after they beat Oregon State. Mm-hmm. Um, really sounded like uh, none of those guys outside of the ones we named in Borgi that they were, you know, guys that weren't going to play regardless. Um, so it really feels like kind of a, a situation in which Washington State's almost who they are. What we saw last week outside of a couple of guys, they're kind of who they are. And so we'll get a good feel. Um, for for who Washington State is. And it'll be interesting to see what kind of developments we get out of this uh, from an Oregon perspective of who's healthy, who's not healthy. Uh, is there anyone that's you know on a COVID list or what have you? Hopefully not uh, for both teams. You want to see both teams be um, as healthy as possible coming into this football game. Now, um, Eric, betting perspective, there's always, I think, uh, there's always an idea and always some excitement going into this one. Um and I, I look at this and think uh, Oregon is what, like a six and a half point favorite in this football game. Um, it's, it's 10 right now. Wow. It's jumped to 10. Wow. That's. Some... Yeah. It's well, I, I just pulled up the uh, Vegas insider and yeah, the consensus is, is, is yeah, it's Oregon's a 10 point favorite, which seemed high to me too. Honestly, when you pulled it up, I thought it was going to be lo- much lower than that. Uh, confidence in that. Like, do you feel like confident Oregon's going to cover that high of a spread? Well, I don't want to. I don't want to give away my prediction entirely. That's why I paused there. Um, I, I'm predicting they will, but like by the very slimmest of margins. And that's also with me saying like, if the line was seven, I'd feel a little better. I think this is going to be a really competitive game. Like, and I think we've talked about a lot of the reasons for why that'll be the case. And I know coming into the year, there was I think reason to be pretty gung ho and optimistic about this matchup. But things change, and I think if this game was played earlier in the year when it's not snow on the ground. And I think, again, that might play into Oregon's favor, but that adds kind of some weird elements here. Young quarterbacks, by the way, on both sides. I think there is an element of like, this game could get kind of wacky. I don't think my confidence is super high. Like I'm willing to bet that number, I guess if you like, I don't want to say put a gun to my head because that seems kind of unnecessarily like violent and aggressive. But <laughs> <laughs> like if, 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 if you wanted me to like really make a stand here, I guess I would say, yeah, I would because my prediction I shall give later in the show would reflect that but like it's not super high like and, and I'm, I'm probably a, I don't want to say I'm less concerned than you are about the possibility of a loss here that's not something that's like super on my radar like I think Oregon's going to win this game 
But like, I also don't think this is going to be a butt kicking. I, I, and that's part of why I think if Oregon does come out and earlier we talked about in the show, this could be kind of that beauty contest kind of deal here for the college football committee or college football playoff committee with all the national eyes on them. Like, I think that would be really significant if Oregon comes out of Pullman and wins by 17 points, 21 points, something in that regard, even more. This is not going to be a gimme walkover game. And I think any Oregon fan that expects that, I think is being a little bit, I don't know, a little bit, I think overconfident. I think this is going to be a competitive game. Matt, what do you think about 10 points? You, you thought it was less. Like, do you feel like 10, does 10 feel too high to you? Um, I mean, I, I, I had sworn I had saw it at six and a half, seven points. And so like seeing it as at 10, I, I thought I'm with you. Like seven's kind of about right for me. Um, I mean, it is, it is a road game against a one and O quality opponent. Yeah. I agree. I think that's a speaks to what Vegas thinks of the talent level at Oregon, right. improved talent level, um, the, maybe a dip at Washington State. Curious if you know how much the uncertain fact of of Max Borgie's status dictates that that score. Yeah. Um, really, really interesting. I, I don't think. Yeah, uh, if it was six and a half, I would say that's that's money. Take that bet. Over, or you know, take Oregon on the over for that. Um, Ten, that makes it real interesting. Like now, maybe you know, look, maybe the the run, maybe the weather conditions force it to a, a situation where you know Washington State can't throw the football a ton, and they have to solely rely on their run game. And if that's the case, then I'm gonna, you know, if if the weather conditions are where you you can't afford to throw the football very you know very often because cold it's 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 hard to catch because of the the, you know if there's any moisture in the air or on the ground because of snow then yeah i think that better serves oregon like if it's if i'm Oregon, i'm like hey i want it to dump two feet you know keep keep pouring it on because washington state's built you know their roster has been built on the air raid and yes they're not running the air raid anymore but their program the last five six seven years has been built around getting a scheme and getting a roster for the air raid. And so if you have to, if you have to condense them into like a phone booth style f- play of football, uh, that better suits the Oregon ducks. Um, so I, I, 10 is 10 feels very, it's kind of like that. Oh boy. I might take Washington state on it. Um, nonetheless, let's take a quick break. When we come back, uh, let's run through some of your keys to the game. Uh, and we'll also discuss uh, one offensive and one defensive prediction for this game. And then end it with our score predictions. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. 
Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, welcome back to the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Priam, Eric Scopel with me as always. And uh, tease it at the break, Eric. Um, offensively, give us a key to the game that you've included that Oregon has to uh, do accomplish to be able to win this game. I think they have to win the line of scrimmage. And that's probably obvious every game. But, you know, I think the more I look at this, and we've talked about it already, I, I don't think the conditions for this game are going to be perfect for. And that was one of the things I think that honestly maybe we overlooked, but we should have talked about more when, when the season was scheduled to start this late in the year of like Oregon is a team that is at least one of its biggest strengths is expected to be in the trenches running the football and a season that starts when the weather is not quite as nice, maybe really plays to their strengths to a certain degree. And I, I look at this game and think this is an opportunity to prove that we thought the offensive line looked really good at times on Saturday against the Stanford front, which isn't the best in the conference. I don't think Washington State's necessarily any better. Um, but, like, it, it wasn't the most consistent effort, right? I mean, there were right. there were drives, and, and they rotated a lot, and there were drives where they looked awesome, and there were drives where they had a little bit of a hard time. And I think it's really crucial that they have a strong outing from start to finish. We should note, last year, C.J. Verdell ran for a career-high 257 yards against Washington State. Like, Wow, <laughs> that's a huge number. <laughs> that's a uh, 250, way to put it. 257 yards. Like I, I, I know a bunch of that came on a chunk run play. I think he had like an 80 yard run in that game. I, I should say I think I know he had like an 80 yard run in that game. But like if they can have that kind of production again, I don't think there's any question. The result of this game is in Oregon's favor. But if this is a game where they struggle, like they did early against Stanford to establish the run, it gets a little bit worrisome here because I don't know exactly what the viability for a passing attack might be in this game. I, I honestly like uh, this is, this is largely just could be no sample size of it. Like how's Tyler Shuck throw a football in the cold? I mean, he's from Arizona. Um, you know, has he, has he ever really had any experience doing this? I mean, I think that's something we probably could have asked on Tuesday, but we didn't know the weather forecast was going to be quite this bleak. Um, like, I think they have to be really successful running the ball. And that has to happen at the line of scrimmage with those offensive linemen, those tight ends. And then you, you have to include at least the receivers on the outside, on those outside running plays, which we did see quite a bit of. I mean, that was something that was that stood out was the success that Johnny Johnson, Micah Pittman, and Jalen Red had on the edge, especially on a couple of those option pitches to, J, uh, to CJ Verdell for long runs. They need to win those battles and have success and win, the, win, the, win I guess, the their ground game needs to be really good in this game, I think, to make sure they can win. Defensively, I'm with you on CJ Verdell. They need to have him have a big game. And yeah, um, defensively, what are you looking at? What's what's really important in this one? Well, they didn't force any turnovers. Yeah, in the first game, and you look at Oregon last year. I think they were eighth nationally in forcing turnovers. They averaged almost three per game. The fact that they didn't force any against a Stanford team, which played two backup quarterbacks, I don't want to say it's cause for concern. But, like, it was a little – I was a little surprised. I think when I saw, oh, Davis Mills isn't playing, I was thinking, okay, well, this defense 
which again does lose Thomas Graham, who led the team. Well, I shouldn't say led the team, but who was he had two picks last year. Javon Holland, who did lead the team with interceptions with four. Um, Brady Breeze was, gosh, think about all the turnovers he forced last year. So like those three guys were kind of known commodities for for being kind of those kind of players. Well, when they put Jack West out there, I still thought like Oregon's going to find a ways to get takeaways, and they just didn't. They didn't have any the whole game. I know there was. We mentioned the Verone McKinley play earlier, and Verone was another guy who forced a lot of turnovers last year. He also had four interceptions. Um, but that ball didn't end up bouncing their way. That was the only time Oregon really had a chance all game to force a turnover. And I think a key for me is, is Oregon can, if Oregon can win the turnover battles, create some extra possessions, I think this game is, is pretty much over. I mean, I mean, not, not, I mean that maybe that's too, much, too strong of a term, but like, if they come out and they win the turnover battle by two, three turnovers – I just don't see how Washington State's going to contend because I just, again, I think it's this could be a possession, you know, the, the, the number of possessions could be really key here because I don't know the ease of which teams are going to be able to move the ball up and down the field through the air. And I'm confident enough in Oregon's defense. And I know we said earlier one of the strengths of Washington State's offense or the strength maybe is their offensive line, their ability to establish the run game. They had almost 230 yards against Oregon State. I think Oregon's going to be able to do enough there that they're not going to have those big chunk rushes that we saw a little bit against Stanford. I think we'll see improvements there. So if they can force turnovers, I think that puts them in a fantastic position to win. I'm with you um, on both counts, offensively and also defensively. Um, game predictions, before we get to that, let's do our offensive-defensive predictions here. I think you touched on probably the two that I was – I'm most confident in seeing happen one. I think we're going to get a huge game out of CJ Verdell. Um, last week I, I said he was going to have 150 total yards of offense. He almost got that. Uh, I think he was about 20 yards short or 25 yards short of that. Um, I, I think we're going to get something very similar to what we saw against Stanford, probably a little bit better. So closer to that 150 number again. Um, I don't know if he's necessarily going to go for 250 on the ground, like he, like he did last year. Um, but I, I look at this and think Verdell is going to be leaned upon. They're going to try and wear down this, this Washington State defense, much like they did Stanford, and where maybe in the second half. I think we discussed this a couple times during the game last week of that Verdell has this amazing ability where you're, you're watching the game, it, it gets into the third quarter, maybe almost to the fourth, and you're like, wow, like Verdell's got – 14 carries or 16 carries for, for 45 yards or 50 yards. And, you know, it, it's nothing really that there's, you know, the, to write home about It's nothing. It, it's kind of almost a concern, like what's wrong with him. And then all of a sudden he gets a drive or, or two drives where they give him eight carries total. And each of those eight carries, he he's going for eight or nine yards a pop. And it's just like, all of a sudden the dam breaks loose and the yep. avalanche comes and he just rips off big gain after big gain after big gain. And I think we're going to see something similar to that against Washington state in the second half where Verdell's just grinding away in that first half, just wearing things down, you know, running over guys and, and getting two or three yards of carry, maybe a couple, four or five yard, six yard pops. But then in that second half, I think we're going to see a Verdell where he just kind of explodes all of a sudden. And he plays very physical. He gets he starts ripping up seven, eight, nine, ten yard carries. And then all of a sudden he comes out of the football game and they put in a Travis die. And his speed is just a, a, a difference maker and adjustment that's tough to to make. And Oregon's run game as a whole kind of explodes in that second half. So 
for offensively for me, it's, it's Verdell. I think he's going to have a big game again. I'm going to throw out the 150 and 150 total yards, a couple touchdowns for him defensively. Um, you, you mentioned control, controlling the line of scrimmage. You mentioned getting that pass rush. And I think KT Kayvon Thibodeau, the sophomore, I don't know if he's going to get a couple sacks. I think he's just going to have, I think he's going to be the, have the most dominant performance in this game, whether it's tackles for loss, whether it's chasing down a guy, whether it's keeping uh, Jaden De Laura uh, in containment and preventing those scrambles for big gains, whether it's getting sacks or, or maybe it's, maybe it's the stat to watch for, for KT isn't sacks, but how many passes does he tip? How many passes does he bat down at the line of scrimmage? Um, knowing how quickly Washington state tries to get the football out. I think we're going to see a very dominant performance from KT. Well, you got two of mine on the list again here. CJ Verdell. I have him finishing with 200 all-purpose yards. Well, and a part of that was I know Jamar Jefferson, Oregon State's running back. Oh, he, he chewed him up. He chewed him up. He had 170 all-purpose yards. And I'm like, Verdell's better than Jefferson. I mean, I think Jefferson's one of the better running backs in the conference. And if you go watch that the replay of that game or just the highlights of it, you'll be impressed with the way Jefferson ran. He was, I think he had three touchdowns. I know he had three touchdowns. He was running through arm tackles. He looked really good. I think Verdell's a better player. So I'm in agreement there. And I, I have KT. This was a repeat from last week. So I just kind of kept it in here. I know that they've said it's going to be difficult to get to the quarterback. I still have KT with two sacks this week. Two other ones here um, that are a little bit different. And I mentioned one of them earlier, but I'm going to jump on another one here. I think Noah Sewell makes his first career start. And I think he leads the team in tackles. Ooh, that's a good one. Just that was that's a bolder one. I think that's a little more fun. I, I look at this and think, I think Sewell showed a lot of great things in the first half last game, and I think he played a lot in the second half and played pretty well too. I think it's just going to get better and better. And if this ends up being kind of a ground and pound game where they're running the ball between the tackles a lot, I think Noah Sewell is going to be all over the place. I think he's proven to be an incredibly impactful player already. So give me Noah Sewell starting the game um, and finishing with the team high in tackles. Um, and I guess I'll just stick with Verdell as my other one too. Let's just, let's just stick with those two. Um, I'm, I think I'm most confident with Verdell going over 200 all purpose yards. Um, a lot of the same reasons you had a second ago, just of like, well, we should know here's a stat from last year. Uh, we said he had 257 yards on the ground. Well, he also had 56 yards receiving the 313 yards from scrimmage from Verdell in that game were the most by any player all season in all of FBS football. So this is a matchup that, in the past at least, has been pretty favorable for CJ. Good stuff there. Really, really good stuff. Um, all right, game predictions. You want to go first? I'll jump on it first here. Uh, I kind of already gave away like the margin here. Um, I think. Well, here's here's another element here. Oregon has not, or Washington State has not been held to fewer than thirty points since the 2012 season. I think that changes on Saturday. I have Oregon winning 35 to 24. I talked about how I thought they were going to cover, but by the slimmest of margins, 35, 24 Oregon victory. Um, and it's a game which I think is going to be really competitive throughout. And I actually think probably a game where let's, it would probably be something like this where Oregon is up 31, 24, and it's a one score game or something, you know, something close at the end of the game. And they ended up kicking a field goal or scoring a touchdown late to kind of cement it. Cause I just think this game is going to be really close throughout. It's so funny. Uh, same score. We, we, we do not share information <laughs> like this because we don't want to, to be similar. And yet we always find ourselves running into each other right around the same area. Uh, one point is differential for us. 
Um, I have Oregon winning this game in a very similar fashion. I, I think uh, this game is going to go quick. I think Washington State will try and throw the ball a little bit more than perhaps Oregon. Um, but I think Oregon is just going to really just say, you know what? It's cold. It's it's dark. It's windy. It's potentially wet, snowing. Uh, let's just get in, get out, and, and get home with the big victory. Uh, let's make this game quick. So I think we're going to see a lot of runs from Oregon. And I think Washington State will try and throw, but eventually they'll just go back to the run game as well. Um, and I think this game could go pretty quickly, much like Stanford did. Possessions could be short uh, or fewer and far between. And I, I have Oregon winning this one by a slim margin of covering as well. I think this game is close in the first half. And then in the second, uh, Oregon probably pulls away for you know a, a, a little convincing win. I'm not going to say blowout, but a win in which in the second half you feel pretty confident that they were the better football team. And it was evident that that, that was the case. And they walk out of uh, Pullman and Martin Stadium with a 35-23 victory over the Washington state Cougars and improve the two and O now, Eric, um, let's end it with this knowing that you and I both think Oregon's going to win, give or take 12 or 13 points yeah. uh, in this football game. Um, seeing as the spread is 10, seeing as a lot of people are going to be paying attention to this game because of cancellations across college football mm-hmm. with this score, with what we're thinking is that going to change the narrative of Oregon and being a college football playoff contender? Or is it still safe to say, hey, you know what? Let's give them time. Let's see what things play out. Or is this going to hurt them? I bet it's the middle option of like, okay, well, they won. It was comfortable enough that it was two scores, but they still need to prove themselves more. Because I still think, and I don't think it's fair at all, but like Washington State still isn't that big you know, they're not looked at as a blue blood and, and they aren't right. right? I mean, that's, so it's, it's, it's understandable, but like they're looked at kind of like they're, a, a, I think a lesser program, but like the reality is, and I understand why. I mean, like I just did a story on, on Wednesday of the 10 highest rated recruits on Washington state's team. Like they have like three, four stars on the entire roster. They have the 11th most talented team based upon 24 seven um, team composite ranking. And then that just takes into account all the former recruits on the roster it's not like an overly talented team, but like the history of this program, especially over the last like half decade is they've just are, they're a tough son of a gun to face. And Oregon has had a hard time and the rest of the Pac-12 has too. There's a reason that they've been at least contending or, or in the conversation of Pac-12 North for a while, but I don't think the national perception is quite that way. And I'm going to, and I think Mike Leach leaving, maybe that for a lot of people loses some of that luster. My guess is Oregon goes out and if they win by, like we said, 11, 12, 13 points, there's still going to be uh, well, oof. I mean, it was just Washington state. Couldn't they, should they have won that game by more? Um, and I don't think it's going to like hurt them because a win is a win and a win by 10 or more points is always impressive on the road. But um, I don't think that margin is going to be something that really moves the needle as much as you'd like. I guess if you're an Oregon fan wanting, wanting some like huge jump in the national perception. And I should say Oregon is still kind of really right in the, not kind of, they are right in that discussion, even after just one game for being in the college football play. If you look at a lot of these projections right now, and they're certainly just kind of sitting in the middle of it. And I think a lot of people are waiting to see what Oregon does. I don't think a 10, 11 point win again, moves the needle a ton, but I don't think it hurts their case at all. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's, what's going to happen is we're going to, we're going to see, um, I think some people come out and maybe look at this and say, you know what, or Oregon should have won by more. It's Washington state, but I, I don't think those people are really in tune with who the Cougars have been the last couple of seasons. And uh, especially 
against Oregon. You know, I, I have no doubt about it. They enjoy beating the Oregon Ducks. They want to beat the Oregon Ducks. It's one of their bigger games of the year. And this is just a case in which I think if the Pac-12, and look, this is, you go down a rabbit hole here, but if the Pac-12 had better representation across the country, this game would have a, a, a bigger marquee attached to it. You know, you know, just because of how competitive these two teams have been the last few years and how competitive this game could potentially be this year. Now, look, Oregon could go out and win this game by four touchdowns, and we look like fools for saying it's it's close. But history has shown, uh, and you and I are backing the history side here, that, that Oregon's going to be in for a tough football game, and it's going to be a good football game to watch uh, in, in Pullman this weekend. I'll be there covering the game. Make sure to go to DuckTerritory.com for full game coverage. Eric and Kevin will be helping provide coverage via remote. Um, and I, we should note part of our coverage from last week's game was via remote. They're not allowing a full contingent of media members in or else we would have our full contingent of media members at these games. But nonetheless, uh, we will be present at Washington State for this football game. We'll have full coverage of it on DuckTerritory.com and we will have a full post-game po- uh, podcast as well. So keep your eyes on that. So thank you for listening to the Oz and Audible's podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you later, folks. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. <laughs> And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.